Hey there, future friends! This week, one pill gives you powers, while one pill makes you a flesh-eating zombie. It's the week of September 18th, 2020, and this is episode 181 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show interesting typo here i guess when i was writing down the date i uh i wrote the year 20,520 in the year 20,520 tenant finally came out yes we finally got new mutants as well it only took 18,500 years that's it in other news avatar 5 is finally coming out no that 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 is a lie i'm gonna make a future prediction right here that we're never actually gonna see avatar 5 and i 100 percent hope i'm wrong with that because you all know that james cameron is working on a series of sequels to avatar you know decades later or just like a decade in a year it came out in 2009 i actually remember the day i saw this two of my friends drove to a a, a um well theater of course <laughs> in santa clara and we were at the top of this parking garage because it was something stupid we always did we always parked at the top of the garage so we could take the elevator down because we thought it was fancier somehow i i, I don't know but also it helped that the roof is usually the emptiest place of a parking garage. So if we got drunk and we needed to sober up, we just throw around the football I kept in my trunk or I used to keep in my trunk. I, I no longer have that. But here's what I'm wondering. By the time. It, so if James Cameron ever finishes these Avatar movies, by the time the final one comes out, will I be so old that I cannot remember that story anymore? Probably not, because he is substantially older than me. So. Well, you know, not a whole lot, but he is older than me, so he has to, uh, you know, bide his time. All right, future friends, you may have noticed no episode last week. For that, I am sorry. I could give you a good excuse, or I could just keep my head down and, and, and hope to God no one asks me. Anne and I have been watching a lot of movies recently. We watched uh, Mamma Mia. It was my first time ever fully watching Mamma Mia. I, I had seen clips. Because I love musicals, I was like, oh, what's this movie like? And I just never saw the whole thing. Uh, we watched, of all things, A Haunted House, uh, the spoof on ghost movies from 2013 that was more of a direct spoof on the Paranormal Activity series. And I actually really liked it. I thought it was funny. It's, it was one of those films that wasn't good, but it was enjoyable. And we also watched the first three movies in the Trip series, which are, which is fucking fantastic. I love them. But either way, that's not what we're talking about on this episode. This episode, if you remember, we were watching two specific movies. From Hulu, we were watching Little Monsters. And on Netflix, we were watching Project Power. But before we do that, we have to do two other things. So let me give you the introduction, then we'll get into it. This is Future Flicks with Billiam. Yes, a movie podcast. Normally, I talk about all the films coming out during the week, so if you listen to this, you'll go, oh, tell me about every possible film coming out during the week, even the ones I will never watch. And I would be like, yes, listener, my dear friend, I will tell you about all of these films. Okay, let's be honest. I do miss some. Like, YouTube recommended a trailer for a movie called The Trump Prophecy from the 2nd of October, 2018. And I know for a fact I did not talk about this film because I would have shit all over it and has nothing to do about my feelings about the president or anything like that. It has everything to do that it looks like an honest piece of shit. And okay, I just have to tell you what, what it's about really quick. Uh, this is a movie about a fire based on a true story, apparently. And a guy wrote a, or a woman wrote a book about it where this firefighter has a near-death experience, starts having PTSD from it, and one of, his, one of his vivid nightmares shows him America falling, and the only way to save it is Donald Trump for president. And look, I don't... This is a movie show. So let me just get that right here. This is not a politics show. I'm not going to talk about that. What I am going to talk about is that even if you like him, you would look at this movie and go, no, no, no thanks. No, none of that crazy bullshit. 
So why did I even bring it up? Well, to show you that, no, I, I will not talk about each and every movie because I rely on different sources to tell me what movies are coming out. IMDb and two other ones. I totally remember what they are. Oh, God, I haven't done this in so long. But because we live in COVID country, I am not doing that show right now because I don't. I, I realize that not enough movies are coming out to warrant a show. And also, I want people to be safe. Uh, Anne and I are planning on going to the movies this week, but we looked into it first. We looked that the theater we're going to is taking precautions. We noticed, yes, they have, bu- they have buffer seats in between everyone, so there's not going to be anyone super close to you. They have rules that you have to keep your mask on at all times, but, you know, good luck truly enforcing that with the lights down and people being assholes and everything, but... They're trying, and that's what's important to me. That's what's important for you know me and my family. If we had children, I would not. I still would not go. No, you want to see Trolls Six? No, I'm sorry. There's a goddamn pandemic going on. But my wife and I are adults, so I think we can go out, keep our masks on, wash our hands, and all of that good stuff, and enjoy a film. And we're going to enjoy Tenant. So I'll tell you about that next week. Oh, wow, that was a tangent, wasn't it? You know, I've always played with the idea of not even doing any notes and not even talking about any specific movie and just recording my tangents. But then I realized that, oh, God, no, I'm not nearly as clever as I think I am. All right, let's get on with the intro. What we normally do every week, we talk about any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode, and any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. And thank you, Frat Matt, once again, pointed out something I missed, though it was missed due to timing of the show. But let's be honest, if I wasn't such a lazy asshole, I could have gone back and recorded a little bit about about the Bond trailer that I missed that we will talk about this week. But thank you, I'm thrilled that I'm finally being called out on things I'm missing. Thank you, like, honestly, I, I'm thrilled. And my question is, where the f*** were you for that that Trump prophecy uh, trailer, huh? Where were you for that? (laughs) Okay, enough about that. Normally in the show, after that, we would talk about the new movies coming out during the week. But until COVID country is no more, we are talking about movies that are available on streaming most of the time. Sometimes I'll talk about a movie that I got a chance to watch thanks to a library rental or something I just went out and bought. But... Mostly, we stick to streaming, so if you want to watch it, or if you want to play along at home, you can do that. So like I said this week, it was Little Monsters on Hulu, Project Power on Netflix. But my future friends, that is enough for the seven-minute intro. Let us take our... Not, not take a break. Oh my god, I've lost it. I've completely lost it. Let us jump into our first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood... The news. You know, I blame the beer I'm drinking. It's called Martian Sky Red IPA. It's from it's from one of my all time favorite breweries, Discretion Brewing out of a uh, Brewing Discretion Brewing out of SoCal, California. And I I think it's the worst thing I've ever had from them. But I'm drinking it anyway because I'm a good sport. That's how it works. Well, let's jump into the news. We have quite a bit to talk about, so let's start. With an interesting video released by Variety, it's of actor Daniel Day Kim doing part of a celebrity-filled charity re-recording of the 1940s Superman radio specials. Daniel Day Kim is doing the voice of Clark Kent slash Superman. So if that sounds interesting to you, you can check them out on Variety's website. Uh, episodes 1 through 4 are up now. I don't think you need a subscription. Let me let me test it. Let me see. It's, it looks like it's playing, not asking me for a login. Okay, it looks like you can watch them. So enjoy. This next story comes to us from Fansighted. Apparently, Joaquin Phoenix is set to return as the Joker for two sequels, making everyone wonder why. Oh, actually, it has not been confirmed yet, but after the first movie did so well... And Joaquin Phoenix had voiced interest in doing another movie. Now, apparently, it's in the works. Scripts are being put together. And there is a lot of uh, talking and handshaking going on behind the scenes. Because apparently, the whole thing rests solely on the fact that they need Joaquin Phoenix. That they won't do this without him. Phoenix has been offered $50 million to reprise his Academy Award winning role in two sequels. It is important to note that when this movie was being made, everyone involved was convinced it was going to be a one-off. It was just going to be a standalone film. But with the outrageous success of the film, now people are going, huh, money. 
is a thing that I can make if we do more movies. But I think the question will be, how good are the scripts that come out of this? Because Joaquin Phoenix is an artist and Joaquin Phoenix, the art is very important to him. So if they just throw out some bullshit scripts and go here, we'll even up the money. I don't think he'd say yes. So more news on that as it develops in this next story from comicbook.com. Tom Holland said in an Instagram live video on September 13th that the uncharted movie is everything he dreamed it would be. Uh, he goes on to say that he got a pretty big bruise, but he couldn't show it because it's in a revealing area. And he joked that he would get shut down on social media if he tried to, which to me, that joke is really creepy because look, I know he's, I know it's a joke, A, and B, I know he's an adult, but he just looks so young. It's like, why would this teenager be joking about showing his penis on, you know, live video? You know, Hollywood is one of those great places to have a forever baby face. But also, I think it can hinder someone because you're like, oh, I want to play this badass role. But all I get are offers for, you know, high schoolers. That's that's great. Anyway, he says that he is a big fan of the games and he's really excited with the way the movie's going. And I was a huge fan of Uncharted 1 and 2. I thought Uncharted 3 was mediocre, but I'm excited for it. And if Tom Holland's excited, I'm excited too. And this next story comes to us from Complex. Apparently, Shia LaBeouf, the actual cannibal, drops out of Olivia Wilde's new movie, Don't Worry Darling, and he has been replaced with Harry Styles. Uh, the cast of this film so far is Olivia Wilde, F Florence Pugh, Dakota Johnson, and Chris Pine. Now Harry Styles added to the cast. And I was talking to Anne about this, and apparently Harry Styles' character, and formerly Shia LaBeouf's character, Jack was supposed to be married to Florence Pugh's character, and I actually like this casting better. Just because of the age difference between uh, Shia LaBeouf and Florence Pugh, but... Also, Harry Styles has proven himself to be an okay actor. I mean, he's not bad. I know he's been in like one thing, but hey, I liked it. I thought he did good. I think he did fine in Dunkirk. And this will give us an opportunity to see him in something else. Our next story is just something to make you smile. This coming from entertainment or actually no from Scary Mommy, I think is the website. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that because this is just a fun story. And you can look up the pictures and smile at them because Jennifer Garner has dressed her dog up just like her characters in some of her iconic roles. And the 13 going on 30 is just everything I need in life. You can also find this on her Instagram page. Next up is another, not a huge story, but just something interesting from Forbes. They say Wonder Woman 1984 can have a chance at box office history, but only if it keeps its current release date of December 25th. The movie was originally supposed to come out on October 2nd, but was pushed to December 25th because a lot of distributors are waiting to put movies out because, well, not, not a lot of theaters are open, if we're being honest, right? And especially with Tenant's poor domestic performance. So, so far, Tenant has grossed a worldwide total of $207 million, just $7 million over its estimated $200 million budget. So this movie that was highly anticipated, that was touted that was going to save cinema, even remember me talking about that story from a few weeks back or months back, that people were thinking that Tenant was going to save cinema because it would be released when theaters started opening again? Apparently that's not the case. Domestically, it's only grossed $29.5 million. That's only 14.3% of its worldwide gross. So a lot of these companies are looking at these numbers going, well, if we wait just a little longer for America to get their shit together so we can open up more theaters, then our movies can make more money, which is a really smart thing to do. But you may be asking yourself, Billiam, which record could Wonder Woman 1984 possibly beat? And that is a record that is currently held by Sherlock Holmes. It's how much the film made on its Christmas release one day gross. So far, the record, like I said, has been held by Sherlock Holmes, which earned $24.6 on opening day. But if Wonder Woman 1984 keeps its December 25th release date and no other films move back to that date like Denis Villanueva's Dune, then it could easily beat that number. Because if Tenant, with th this number right here that we have right now, if Tenant had 
come out on Christmas and made the the measly $29.5 million that still would have been a record setter. So once again, not, not super important news, just something interesting. In news from Fox News, Ted Cruz has called for a Department of Justice investigation into cuties, filmmakers, and Netflix. That, of course, is referring to the movie Cuties that's currently available on Netflix. And the investigation that Senator Ted Cruz has... Well, called for would investigate Netflix and the filmmakers behind Cuties on whether or not if they broke any federal laws against the production and distribution of, well, you know, really gross kid stuff. I don't want to get too in depth here because, you know, I try not to get too gross on the show. But if you remember that Netflix came under a lot of fire for the trailer for that movie Cuties and I can see why. So we'll see if anything comes of that. But honestly, hopefully not. Because if something does come of it, that means something really bad happened. And ladies and gentlemen, our next story comes to us from Good Housekeeping, of all places. Uh, the director of Mulan has revealed why Mushu wasn't in the live-action remake of Mulan. And apparently, well, I thought we knew this going in, that he wasn't going to be part of the film. But apparently it's because they were going for a more realistic movie. And I guess a miniature talking dragon isn't realistic. Weird, right? And I'm still excited to see Mulan, but there has been a lot, a lot, a lot of controversy around this film. In an article from Elle, uh, they go over it. I was going to read the LA Times one, but they wanted me to stop ad blocking. Yeah, f*** you. I'm going to just find another article, like well, this one from Elle.com. Thank you, Elle.com. So if you remember back in 2019, the actress Liu Yifei posted a statement showing support of Hong Kong police, where she says, I support Hong Kong's police. You can beat me up now. What a shame for Hong Kong. She added the hashtag, I also support the Hong Kong police. But if you remember back then, the issue wasn't like we have with police here. It's not racism and, well, systematic racism and police violence. It's the fact that Hong Kong was having protests because mainland China was trying to enforce all these really scary rules for them, which would basically make people not safe. Like if, if a journalist posted an article criticizing the Chinese government, they would no longer be safe. Like, could you imagine that here? Like if someone wrote an article criticizing President Trump and then some secret police came and whisked them away saying it was national security, that would be f***ing terrifying. So in Hong Kong, they're having protests. Sometimes it would turn into riots. And she voiced support for the police, which isn't the best move. Later, she backpedaled, saying that I think it's just a very sensitive situation, which basically means, oh, I put my foot in my stupid f***ing mouth. Now people are getting angry at me. Maybe I shouldn't say stupid sh**, but it was too little, too late. People uh, were angry. Also, Disney filmed Mulong in the Xijiang province, I think that's how you say it, in China, where an estimated 1 million Uyghurs, I think is how you say it. Uh, please don't trust my pronunciation of any of this. But a group of people are being held in concentration camps. A group, millions that are largely Muslims, are being put in indoctrination camps, which are classified as re-education camps to improve the security of China. So now the question is, did Disney know about this at the time of recording? Because basically then they're providing money to this area that's doing this really up thing. So even though I was super excited for Mulan, I, I even if they dropped the rental price from $30, which is stupid, to $20 or $10, I still won't watch until I can watch it for free or the price I'm already paying for Disney+. Plus. I will not support this movie financially. All right, my future friends, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up with a story from The Wrap really quick. Jordan Peele's Candyman has been bumped again. So now it's not being released on October 16th, but an unknown date in 2021. So this is the year, this was going to be the year where we finally got horror films in the f***ing month of October. And because of f***ing COVID, we're not. Okay, I get it. I get why they're pushing all these films. I 100% get that. But you know, every year I go on the same rant about all these horror films coming out either late winter or in the middle of the summer. Why not wait for October, at least for some of the bigger ones? Now we were going to get it. We were going to get Candyman and Halloween. 
two huge movies, two huge horror movies that were going to come out in October, but now 2021, boo. All right, my future friends, that's it for the news. We went long with that one, right? We'll see how much I edit out, but uh, let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, and we will be right back with the trailer trove. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, everyone. Welcome to everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. All right, my future friends, let us start with the first trailer in the trove, which is the uh, the trailer for Aaron Sorkin's next movie, The Trial of the Chicago 7. This, of course, is based on a real event, The Trial of the Chicago 7. And here's a premise, the story of seven people, who knew? Seven, weird. Seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. This stars, I'm just going to read a couple of the bigger names. I'm not going to go over everyone. Uh, This stars Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Baron Cohen, John Carroll Lynch, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, Mark Rylance, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Frank Langella. And I think this movie looks really good. So it's Aaron Sorkin, so that should tell you a lot. Let's be honest, Aaron Sorkin is one of those polarizing figures that you know already if you're going to like what they're doing before you go into it. Like Melissa McCarthy, who has a very specific type of comedy, like Will Ferrell. Or let's talk about other writer-directors like Jordan Peele, Martin Scorsese. You know if you're even going to have a chance at liking their films, and Aaron Sorkin is one of those. But what a timely film, right? With everything we're going through with the Black Lives Matter protests, after the murder of George Floyd, and now we have this, a movie That takes place in 1968, but could also very well be taking place now, showing us how little we've changed in so much time. This looks really good, in my opinion, and it comes out October 16th on Netflix. Ladies and gentlemen, next up in the trailer trove, we have a trailer for a movie called Hubie Halloween. It's another Netflix original coming out October 7th. And I know what you're asking. I know what you're thinking. With Adam Sandler being hot off the movie, very hot off the movie Uncut Gems, what can he do to follow it up? Well, duh, a Halloween-themed comedy where he plays the same fucking character he does in all of his 90s comedies. You know, that stupid fucking character he does. Just watch The Waterboy and you'll go, oh, that character. Anyway, this film is about Hubie. And despite his devotion to his hometown of Salem and its Halloween celebration, Hubie Dubois is a figure of mockery for kids and adults alike. But this year, something is going to going bump in the night, and it's up to Hubie to save Halloween. This does have an impressive cast. On top of Adam Sandler, we have Julie Bowen, Michael Chiklis, Steve Buscemi, of course Rob Schneider, Ray Liotta, of course Kevin James, Maya Rudolph, and for a Netflix original starring Adam Sandler, this doesn't look bad. It, it just doesn't look very good. This looks like a stupid, fun Halloween movie. It's rated PG-13, so it's probably okay for kids. But if you watch this, just expect to watch a typical Adam Sandler movie with just a slight twist where there's something supernatural going on and his lovable idiot is the only one who can do something about it for some reason. It looks like it's a it's a play on the boy who cried wolf thing because it, in the trailer it shows him always reporting stuff to police. So much so that when he calls the police, oh, uh, Keenan Thompson is in this too. He plays one of the police officers, but so much so that whenever he calls the calls the police, he just they just hang up on him right away. So guess what? Something's actually happening. People are getting killed and they're not going to take his call because he's a moron. Keep your eyes open for some Halloween fun on October 7th. All right, future friends, let's talk about the trailer that Frat Matt called me out on. That is No Time to Die. The second official trailer has come out. 
This movie is still set for November 20th release. We will see if it if it uh, stays there. This is the Bond film directed by Carrie Fukunaga. Of course, this stars Daniel Craig as James Bond. Also stars Ana de Armas. Rami Malek as the new bad guy. Naomi Harris is returning as Moneypenny. Christoph Waltz and Lea Seydoux are returning from their various characters from Spectre. Jeffrey Wright is returning. Ben Wishaw is returning. Introduced in this movie is someone that I hope we see more of moving forward in the series is Lashana Lynch as the new double O agent, uh, Naomi, who looks absolutely badass in this trailer. So you know what we've talked about before when it comes to Bond. The issues brought up before of let's make Bond black, let's make blonde blonde, <laughs> let's make Bond a person of color. Yeah, that's great. Let's make Bond a woman. Well, why not give women their own character who's badass on their own right instead of just giving them men's leftovers? This is the character we need. She looks badass in this trailer. I would like, I would already buy a ticket for a solo movie of hers. Just on the trailer alone, I would do that. The Bond universe is really something that's never been explored outside of James Bond. And I know that sounds weird to say, but we have this huge world that's very much like our own, but it has these group of secret agents with licenses to kill that take on bad guys we can't even comprehend. So why don't we see more of it? And, fun fact, if you ever read Why the Last Man, she plays Agent 355 in the upcoming TV series, which, that's f***ing great. She could probably crush it. And I am super excited for this. No Time to Die, right now, set for November 20th, 2020. And if you've watched all the Bonds since Daniel Craig took over, you'll notice that each movie, the ante gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Each time, the bad guy is bigger and bigger and bigger. The bad guy from Keenest Casino Royale was basically a nobody. If he won, the world wasn't really in that big of a danger. Same for Quantum of Solace. Then in Skyfall, it started to get a bit bigger. But Skyfall, it was MI6? MI6 or MI5? Uh, whatever the group is, they were the ones targeted for, for Skyfall. Then in Spectre, it got a little bigger. And this time, in No Time to Die, in Daniel Craig's final Bond movie, we're getting a Bond villain like we're used to. And that aspect alone really hits home what sets Daniel Craig's James Bond apart. It was a grittier, darker, more realistic James Bond. Because I love the Pierce Brosnan James Bonds. I, I love the James Bond films. They're great. Pierce Brosnan James Bonds were right off the bat like world catastrophe level bad guys. A satellite weapon out in space that could destroy the world. A, a media mogul who it was setting off natural disasters and murdering like hundreds of thousands of people just so he could be the first to break a story. Really big shit. And now Daniel Craig's Bond is finally seeing a bad guy of that size, but more realistic than a diamond-made space laser, you know? So I'm really excited for this. I really, really like Daniel Craig's James Bond. And it'll be sad to see him go, but I'm excited to see where they go after him. Because you know that they will milk this cow until it's completely dead. And even then, they'll just milk it a little bit more after that. All right, my future fans, it is time for a trailer for a Netflix film coming out September 30th called The Boys in the Band. This is the movie adaptation of the off-Broadway turned Broadway play of the same name. This is a movie about a birthday party in 1968 and a surprised guest and a drunken game leaves seven gay friends reckoning with unspoken feelings and buried truths. This stars Jim Parsons, Zachary Quinto, Matt Bomer, and that's all I need. Like, I'm I'm happy right there. We also have Michael Benjamin Washington. Well, that's it for the big names. But this is a really good cast. Uh, most of you know my feelings about Big Bang, but of all the reasons I hate that show, the cast isn't one of them. And Jim Parsons is fantastic, and I really look forward to seeing him leave that show one day and spread his wings and do do good things because he has so much talent, and this is just going to be a hint of it in this movie. Matthew Bomer, fantastic. 
and super handsome. And Zachary Quinto, of course. Wonderful. This cast has it. Like, this is great. This looks amazing. The movie looks good. And this is a really interesting idea. And it's based on a play that I've never heard of. Apparently, it was an off-Broadway play in the 1960s. It had a revival for the play's 50th anniversary in 2018 that was actually on Broadway. So this is produced by Ryan Murphy, who you would know from such shows as Glee and Hollywood, as directed by a kind of newcomer. I mean, he's been working since 1989. Jesus Christ. Oh, as an actor. He's been working as a director, let's see here, since 1990. Okay, well, he's he's not really a newcomer, isn't he? <laughs> But let's just say he hasn't done a lot, but he has worked on Hollywood with Ryan Murphy. So Ryan Murphy does a lot of TV. You have you have seen something he's worked on. I guarantee it. Be it Nip Tuck, be it Glee, be it Scream Queens, or let's just go up the list here. American Horror Story, 911, Hollywood, American Crime Story. You have seen something he's done. This just looks very promising. It has a good cast, and I am so excited to see this on Netflix on September 30th. All right, my future friends, next up in the trailer trove, we have another Netflix original film. This one coming out October 21st, starring Lily James, Army Hammer, and Kristen Scott Thomas, and it's based on a book, a little-known book, called Rebecca. And the name of the movie is Rebecca. This is based off the novel by Daphne du Maurier. And it's about a young newlywed arrives at her husband's imposing family estate on a windswept English coast and finds herself battling the shadow of his first wife, Rebecca, whose legacy lives on in the house long after her death. So we have a period piece from Netflix. And yeah, I'm down. Let's watch this. All right, my future friends. Next up, we have a movie that I am, I I don't know. I'm really excited or I'm not interested at all. I can't, I can't quite put it together. It, there's just so much going on. It's a film called The Comeback Trail. And listen to this cast. Robert De Niro, Morgan Freeman, Tommy Lee Jones, Emile Hirsch, Zach Braff, and Eddie Griffin. That is a fantastic cast. This is about... Two movie producers who owe money to the mob, and they set their aging movie star for an insurance scam to try and save themselves, but they wind up getting more than they ever imagined. So basically, these two movie producers, played by Robert De Niro and Zach Braff, are in debt to the mob. They watch a story about a young, hot actor who died, and the payout was for $5 million, which back in the 70s was a shit ton of money. Well, Okay, let's be honest, it's still a lot now. But it was even more back then. So they think, I know, let's make a movie, let's insure our star, and make sure they die during the filming of the movie. But it's not that easy, because they hire uh, an actor named Duke Montana, who's an old gruff son of a bitch, played by Tommy Lee Jones, and he just keeps surviving everything they throw at him. And I'm excited. Robert De Niro, a lot of people believe he's phoning it in in his later years, but this one, when the trailer was starting, I thought it was actually Mark Marin doing an impression in, you know, heavily makeup too, because he's not that old, but this film looks funny. Check out the trailer. You'll, you'll probably laugh like I did, and it comes out November 13th. All right, my future friends, and the final trailer in the trove that I noticed, at least, is a film called Freaky, and this stars Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn. This comes to us from writer and director for Christopher Landon, who you would know from films like, well, the Happy Death Day series and the Paranormal Activity series, and Paranormal Activity starting with two. And this is about a young woman named Millie, who is kind of a loser, and one day at a school basketball or football game, she is murdered. She is murdered by a local serial killer, and she wakes up. She didn't expect to wake up, but she wakes up in the killer's body, played by Vince Vaughn. So she realizes that if I'm in his body, he's in my body. So she has to convince her friends that she is really who she says she is and stop 
him, Blissfield Butcher. The Blissfield Butcher is the killer's name. Stop him, who's in her body, from killing all of her friends. So yes, kind of a Freaky Friday situation, but instead of a mother and daughter, it's a girl and serial killer. So that sounds very plausible and hilarious. This comes out November 13th when, you know, it could have come out in October, but that right well my future friends that was it for the trailer trove once again if i missed anything please let me know and i will talk about it in the next episode i am recording this on sunday september 13th so i bet you something is going to come out between now and then but you know what just like frat matt did please tell me anyway because who knows maybe i actually missed it Well, let us take our next break before we get into the movie. So let us hear a word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling do you like wrestling yeah Yeah. then you should listen to our podcast do you not like wrestling you should still listen to our podcast someone to read a comms nerds in the squared circle subscribe to us on itunes or your favorite podcast app today nerds in the squared circle on someonenerdy.com all right we're back we're back with the first movie of the week and it's called little monsters No, this isn't The Little Monsters from 1989 with Fred Savage and Howie Mandel and Daniel Stern. Not that Little Monsters, but maybe that would have been better. This is Little Monsters from 2019, starring Lupita Nyong'o, who you would know from Black Panther, Us, and 12 Years a Slave, Alexander England from Gods of Egypt and Alien Covenant, and Josh Gad, known best for his uh, voice of Olaf in the Frozen series, but he was in that horrible movie Pixels, and also in that horrible movie Artemis Fowl, but he was in that pretty good movie, in fact, really good movie called Marshall, and he was in that other good movie called Murder on the Orient Express. So you may remember Little Monsters... And I talked about it last year, and I was pretty excited for this, because the trailer I watched looked good. It looked fun. It looked funny and enjoyable. And the movie I watched was a movie. It was a thing. It was a film that I watched and saw with my eyes. And, um, yeah. The end. Okay, enough of that. If you watch the same trailer I did, you will see a trailer that really, really pushes Lupita Nyong'o. And why wouldn't it? She is badass. She is great. She is already exploding and will continue to explode until she's one of the biggest women in Hollywood. Not even women, biggest people in Hollywood. However, however, the main character of the movie is this asshole named Dave played by Alexander England. Now, Alexander England, I bet you he was fine. I bet you he was perfectly fine in this role, but I just hated his character. His character is a human piece of shit. Just think of a typical romance movie, and then think of the loser boyfriend that's the obstacle for the main love interest. That just piece of shit who's so self-centered, just doesn't get it, takes the wonderful woman for granted, and just needs to get the shit kicked out of him and just toss out of the picture so the woman can finally be happy, free of his poison life. That is the character Dave plays, or Alexander England plays. That's Dave. He is just an awful person. The kind of person that if you were friends with someone like him, you would be asking yourself, why am I friends with this piece of shit? Oh no, he's calling. He wants to hang out. Guess I better ignore the text and pretend to be dead. Because the movie that was advertised and the movie we saw were two different things. Lupita Nyong'o did a great job. Josh Gad was okay. His character, Teddy McGiggle, this this kids show personality who turns out to be just a scumbag, was funny at first and it just devolved into being creepy and sad. And then Dave just had no redeeming qualities. And you knew from the get-go that Dave was interested in Miss Caroline, 
Lupita Nyong'o because Dave breaks up with his, or his girlfriend breaks up with him because he's a piece of shit. He thinks to himself, I know what a great idea is. I will use my nephew to ask my girl, my ex-girlfriend to marry me because that's obviously what she wants. What's this? She's f***ing another guy. Well, I'm angry. The world's shit. What's this? My nephew's teacher is really hot. Well, guess I'm going to start hitting on her because I'm a creep. This movie had so much promise. It had so much promise, but it fell so short because of Dave and Dave alone. I could have excused Josh Gad's character's like just creepy sadness. I could have excused that. I could have looked past that because there were some one-liners he had that were really good. And it just comes down to Josh Gad's wonderful comedic timing. But Alexander England, God bless him. I bet you he's in, he, he was in something I liked, Gods of Egypt. That was a stupid film, but I liked it. But in this film, he just, his character brought it down so much that it took what could have been just a cute, fun film, maybe a 7 out of 10, 7 or 7 out of 11, and it just dropped it straight down. And we don't actually really see him learn a lesson. We just see him save the day, realize maybe I should look out for these other people, and try and do some good. But that's not enough. Doing what any decent human being should do is not enough. It's not enough to make every other thing that's terrible about him okay or forgivable. And I hated him so much that not even the awesome Miss Caroline could save this for me. This movie was written and directed by some guy named Abe Forsyth, who is an Australian an Australian actor and writer, and um, that's it. I don't think I'm ever going to watch anything he ever does ever again. That's how bad this was. It's not like Kenneth Branagh, who directed Artemis Fowl. That movie was utter sh**. I will still watch a Kenneth Branagh film because he has done other good things. However, this was the only Abe Forsyth thing I've ever seen, and it was awful. If you asked me to either watch The Lighthouse or Little Monsters again, the only reason I would pick Little Monsters, the only solitary reason I would pick Little Monsters instead of The Lighthouse is because Little Monsters is only an hour and 33 minutes. So that's only an hour and 33 minutes of my precious life that I am wasting watching garbage. This could have been good. This could have been really fun. This could have been a wonderful indie sleeper horror comedy hit. It was not. And I 100% blame it on the character of Dave who sucked everything fun out of the entire movie. Even Josh Gad's Teddy McGiggle, who confesses to f***ing any mother he can, since he's a famous or a well-known kids show host, fucking any mother he can and taking advantage of the fact that he's a celebrity to their kids, even he was better than Dave. I was so disappointed by this film, and I think that's another reason I'm so angry and I hate it so much. If I didn't have such high hopes for this film, maybe I would have given it a slightly higher score. But the trailer set me up for a movie it never planned on delivering. If they read, if they remade this movie and the only thing they changed was taking out Dave, everything else stayed the same, or just replace Dave with a blanket white guy, the movie would be so much better. But the way it is now, I can't suggest anyone watch this. Little Monsters gets a 3 out of 11. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the fuck did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that goddamn f*** jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. 
And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. everyone welcome back from the break a new day has dawned yeah that's right i'm recording this part on a different day because i'm not sure if you could hear but i really was starting to lose my voice at the end of the previous day i kept having to pause and clear my throat and a a good friend of mine who's a musician knows a lot about caring for her throat because she you know uses it for for a living told me that clearing your throat is probably one of the worst things you can do along with whispering, because whispering's harder on your vocal cords than speaking normally, and clearing your throat just causes more mucus or something, but it's, it's a hard habit to break. So I had to take a break, and here I am. Some new trailers have dropped. Um, No, I think I'm going to be lazy. Uh, I think I'm going to save Dune, and I'm going to save all the others for for next week. So yay. But my future friends, let us talk about the second and final movie of the week, and that is called Project Power. That came out a month ago on August 14th, 2020 on the Netflix. And this stars Jamie Foxx from movies like Django Unchained and Collateral, Joseph Gordon-Levitt from movies like Inception and Looper, and Dominique Fishback from movies like The Hate You Give and Night Comes On. And the TV show The Deuce. This was written by someone called Matson Tomlin, who I have never heard of, and I'm not familiar with anything this person has written before, but the only reason I'm bringing this person up is because Matson Tomlin has so far been announced as the writer for a forthcoming Mega Man movie. That's right, Mega Man is getting a movie, and okay, you know what? I I hope these video game people, these people making video game movies, realize that the best video game movies are the ones that are a little quirky and keep the spirit of the game, assuming the game is quirky. Mega Man is never really comedic per se, but it's not serious, so I hope they go a little comedy angle with it, but if they do another Resident Evil movie, which I think they are, is it a movie or is it a TV show? I forget. But when they redo Resident Evil, I hope they do it closer and more authentically to the games that's why i think silent hill 2 was such a good film at least to me because i was a huge huge fan of the silent hill franchise i thought the first two silent hill games were better than anything resident evil has ever done but of course i've never played resident evil 7 8 the that first person one that even yahtzee loves but i was just a big fan of silent hill and so hopefully this person understands what makes good video game movies good This comes to us from two directors. The first is Henry Juiced, who worked on Paranormal Activities 3 and 4, as well as the movie Nerve. And Ariel Rell Shulman, who, well, directed the same movies. Basically, they're they're like the Russos or the Wachowskis, that they just work together a lot. So Project Power is, well, here's just exactly what IMDb says. When a pill that gives its users unpredictable superpowers for five minutes hits the streets of New Orleans, a teenage dealer and a local cop must team with an ex-soldier to take down the group responsible for its creation. And that is only kind of true. And you all know by now that on this show, when I talk about movies in this current format of Future Flex with Billiam, I am not avoiding spoilers. But if I were trying to write a spoiler-free review that was better than that bullshit, IMDb gave, I would say that it is about, I would say the main character is actually Robin, who is the the teenage dealer. So she's a teenage dealer that gets kidnapped by an ex-soldier who's looking for his daughter. His daughter was kidnapped because she somehow is the key to making this drug. Frank, an acquaintance of the dealers who also happens to be a cop, joins a group in tracking down the guy's daughter and taking down this group. So I really like this cast. I know Dominique Fishback Fishback is is fairly new. She's only been acting since 2014, and she really didn't do anything big until, let's see, a movie called Night comes on in 2018, but then she did The Hate You Give in 2018 as well. And mind you, she's not even the main character in that, but I think she has a lot of promise. I think she's really good. Her character of Robin is a character we've seen before. We've seen a streetwise kid who is involved in a life of crime because they need to for their family. She needs to do this because her mom has diabetes. They don't have any health insurance. So the only way she can get her medication that she needs 
is to find an alternate source of income. And hey, selling this new drug is one of those things. So yes, we've seen this character a lot before. A streetwise young person who is doing the wrong things, but for all the right reasons, has a heart of gold. But she does so much more than play a rehashed character. It could be, of course, a lot to do with the writing. But you can have the best writer in the world... But if you don't have the right person to play that role and to make it make it visible and understandable, knowable on the screen, then it would fall flat. And I think the people behind Project Power picked the right girl for that. She's both tough and vulnerable. She's very headstrong and she made for a very understandable, because for me at least, not relatable character. We then have Jamie Foxx, who may not have the biggest range, but he knows what he does and he does it well. I think he's a lot like Tom Cruise in that sense, where he has a very noticeable, very unique style. And he really knows what movies go with that and which ones don't. And then out of the main cast, we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who always surprises me. I think that I really like the combination of Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And I would like to see more of them together in different roles. Surprise me. So originally when I heard about this movie, I thought it was a ripoff of a comic called Suicide Risk done or released by Boom Comics. And it's about this cop that knows that there's this drug out there that if you take this drug, it turns you into a superhero. Well, it either turns you into a superhero or it'll kill you. Kind of like the drug in this movie. And unlike the movie, in the comic, the cop's partner is killed by a superhero, well, hero, quote unquote, because in Suicide Risk, everyone who ends up taking the drug is either killed right away, killed by a villain, or just like they say in Batman, lives long enough to become the villain because there had never been a hero that hadn't either died or became a villain. It's this very interesting comic. This cop forces these drug dealers to give him the drug and he takes it thinking, whoa, I won't change like them, like all these others. I'll actually stop these bad guys. So initially I had thought that this was some sort of that project power was some sort of take on that, but it's honestly its own thing. And it just happened to have a couple parts be similar. And guess what? That's going to happen. There's so many, there's so many movies, TV shows, books, comics, there's so many everything coming out. Just think Wattpad has a huge community. And <laughs> could you imagine if you wrote something on like a small platform like that and then you see this movie come out? You're like, wait, wait a minute. That's just like my thing. And then you're like, oh, well, f either way, pa Project Power is really its own thing. It seems to borrow from some other properties, but loosely, very, very loosely. Because guess what? There's a lot of media out there based around people's powers. Duh. It's been around since Superman. And Superman's been around since 1938. So hell, maybe the writer Matson Tomlin didn't even borrow from other properties. Maybe it's just, again, a coincidence, which is one of the things I really liked about this film is that it was original. And original as you can be in today's world. So we have an original property with a good main cast. It has good, there is good CG in there. I mean, it's not some huge, big budget blockbuster, but it looks pretty good, especially for a Netflix original. So what do we have on this list so far? We have a good cast. We have a good idea. And overall, this movie was executed pretty well. There were a couple parts in the movie where I thought the characters didn't make the best choice. But then again, if characters in movies and TV and books always made the best choice, then things really wouldn't be as interesting. So from the very beginning to up until the very end, this movie was original. It was interesting. It wasn't fantastic. It did have, it did have some lulls and mind you lulls as an L U not L O L. So it wasn't perfect, but then again, it's a movie that you can watch for free on Netflix. A new movie that you don't even have to want, leave your house to watch. And it delivers. It delivers a movie that I would have paid to see in theaters. I would have paid to see this movie. If this was a bigger budget film, not even budget. Let's forget about budget. If this was a film from a bigger studio, a new Sony or Universal picture or anything else, and it came out in the theaters and we weren't in COVID country, 
I would watch it. I would be very interested in that. So right now you have the bonus of, if you haven't watched it yet, to be able to watch it right now because you probably have Netflix or you probably know someone that has Netflix that will let you borrow their password. Hell, it would even make sense if you know someone that has a single Netflix account to split the cost of a double or multiple with them. There is so many ways to see this film that I think you should do it. It's not amazing. It was just enjoyable. It was a good film. I liked it. There wasn't anything overly cringy. There wasn't anything that I think if we look back on this 10, 20, 30 years from now, I don't think we go, ooh, I can't believe they said or did that. And I think we can be better judges of that now. Because when I was a kid watching Revenge of the Nerds, I never thought that when I was in my 30s, I would be looking back at it going, oh man, that's rape. And that there'd be so many issues that I can't enjoy the film anymore. But now I think I can. Now I think I'm a little more able to see things like that now. So I think this film will stand the test of time. It won't be on anyone's top 10 films of all time, but it's going to be a fun film to watch once and maybe even revisit once in a while. Has a good cast. It's a good idea. They have the possibility for a sequel. I mean, they definitely leave it open, not open as far as the the story goes, but open enough that if they made a sequel, you wouldn't be going, well, why the f*** did they do that? They wrapped it up so cleanly and perfectly in the first one. No, there are definitely ways that the movie could have a sequel, but also if it stayed just a one-off, it'd be fine. I wouldn't be left wondering what happened. So look, this is a an action crime movie revolving around people's powers. It has a good cast, interesting idea. Check this out. It's worth a shot. There were parts of it that were very predictable, but let's be honest. There are worse sins to commit in a movie. You know what? If you're listening to this show, I assume you have seen a lot of movies. And the more movies you watch, the more media you consume, the more you see patterns, the more you can guess what's coming. So the fact that Project Power was just a little predictable didn't bother me. So check this film out if you haven't seen it already. Project Power gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my future friends, it is time to take our final break as we hear a word from our friends at the We're Doing Fine podcast with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned for the question of the week and next week's films. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. fine. All right, we're back. We're back with a question of the week. And the question of the week was, what are your top three favorite law movies? Now, I expected this question to be harder for me than it actually turned out to be. But before we get to my answers, let's go to the only other answer we have from Anne, who only had two. And she said, My Cousin Vinny and Legally Blonde. She also had a hard time with this because I have not introduced her to many legal dramas or legal movies, actually. And that's my fault because I find when we watch movies, I really want to watch new things. I want to I want to take in new movies. And while there's nothing wrong with that, it also prevents me from sharing some of my favorite things with her, like my list, which we're going to talk about now, which is My Cousin Vinny, which is on hers, The Judge from 2014 with Robert Downey Jr., Robert Duvall, Vera Farmiga, Billy Bob Thornton, Vincent D'Onofrio. God, that is a great cast. Dax Shepard, one of Anne's favorite actresses, Leighton Meester, is in this. Oh, that's it. That's how I'm going to get her to watch this. But come on, that is a great cast. And my other favorite is from way back in 1996. And can you guess what it is? Let me tell you the stars, Matthew McConaughey, Samuel L. Jackson, Sandra Bullock. Yes, A Time to Kill, the movie based off the novel by John Grisham. It also has Kevin Spacey, but remember, just because we hate him now doesn't mean that we have to punish these old movies just because they have them in it. So Kevin Spacey, Oliver Platt, Donalds, and Kiefer Sutherland. So both Donald and Kiefer Sutherland and Ashley Judd. And I think that movie showcases the best performances or some of the best performances from both McConaughey and Jackson. 
Samuel L. Jackson has never needed help being intense. He has never needed help being intense. He is one intense mother But him showing that level of intensity and just hurt and vulnerability at the same time was astounding. And with Matthew McConaughey, he gives that speech at the end that just gives you chills. And with speeches like that, if you if you're not good at what you do, they come across as they, they come across as disingenuine. Uh, you can say that about acting in general, but especially very powerful speeches. Think about Independence Day with Bill Pullman when he gives that speech where he says, and this is our Independence Day, that it's no longer just an American holiday. That could have been very hokey, but Bill Pullman owned it. So in A Time to Kill, when Matthew McConaughey gives that final, or, well, the closing statement, it's amazing. And just thinking back really quick on The Judge, it's an amazing reminder how good those people are, especially Billy Bob Thornton, is fantastic. But with, with this day and age, he's already proven he can act. He, he's already proven that, so sometimes it seems like he just has fun, like with the Bad Santa movies. Or going back to 2005, yes, 2005 to the Bad News Bears remake, he does goofy stuff too, but then he'll hit us with these amazing roles. I'll be honest, this uh, this list was hard for me because there's so many fantastic ones out there. And I, I know I've said a lot about how much I love To Kill a Mockingbird, but I, I didn't put it on this list because as a legal movie as a courtroom movie i liked the three i mentioned better i'll always love to kill a mockingbird gregory peck is one of the greatest actors of our well of my parents time and it will always hold a special place in my heart but as a specific courtroom movie courtroom drama i i couldn't put it on that list well my future friends that is it for the question of the week let us talk about next week's question and i'll tell you what movies we're going to do for next week so next week's question of the week. Okay, I have a dumb one. I have a dumb one that probably no one will answer because it's really stupid. But do you remember the animated movie back from the year 2001 featuring the voices of Chris Rock and Lawrence Fishburne, David Hyde Pierce, William Shatner called Osmosis Jones? Okay, so, so here's a stupid question. Keeping that in mind, let's say that they made an animated movie about COVID. Who would voice COVID? And you could honestly answer this a couple ways. Like, who do you hate? So who would represent COVID for you? Like, oh, I hate Kevin Spacey because he's a creep or Emma Roberts because she's a spouse or boyfriend abuser, allegedly. Or like Blake Jenner because he beat Melissa Benoit so bad she needed a reconstructive surgery. So you could look at it that way or you could look at it as Who's a voice actor or actress that I think is really good? Who could do it? Maybe it's the voice of Bender, John DiMaggio. Maybe it's the voice of Femshep, uh, Jennifer Hale. So just tell me, if they made a movie, an animated movie about the coronavirus, who would voice COVID-19? Well, my future friends, that is it for this episode. Next week, we are going to watch a, a weird selection, but fun. And, and I, ha I have this selection for a reason. You know, normally I try to do newer movies, but this this week or next week, I'm going to do one from 2018 and one from 2014. The one from 2018 is a simple favor on Hulu, a simple favor. The one starring Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively and Henry Golding. And for the other movie from 2014 on Disney Plus, Muppets Most Wanted. And you know what? I uh, Spoiler warning, I'll tell you the reason for this is... I liked it so much more than I thought I would. It's a Muppets movie. I knew I was going to like it, but I just had a grand old time, and we'll talk about that more next week. So once again, next week, our movies are A Simple Favor on Hulu and Muppets Most Wanted on Disney+. Plus. So my future friends and family, without further ado, let us jump right into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. 
And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.